along with the crew and you know we got somebody special up in here for you because they were the cabbie and guess what there might be someone else special coming on later on as a special guest host (laughs) 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 but (laughs) without any further ado right there to my left is my man the executive producer of this joint uh the co-creator of the joint and the technical director and that is money nathan What's up? What's up, everybody? Happy Good evening, brother. Monday evening in October. This month is flying by. I don't know why, but I'm here for it. And I'm very excited to be here tonight, especially with Kelly and our special guest. But it's also just great to see you guys. I've been kind of you know out of it for a little bit. Good to be back in the driver's seat or the co-pilot seat of the cab show. Very excited for tonight. I miss you guys weekly, so this ain't this ain't nothing new. Uh, right there, just below me, is uh, my homegirl, uh, the paragon of virtue, uh, the keystone, cornerstone of this joint. Uh, also part of uh, UAP Med, very integral part. One of the, uh, I don't know if she's a co-founder, co-creator, co-conspirator, but uh, that, of course, is Debs at a study of P- UAPs. How you doing? Hello, everyone. It's great to see you. I was just thinking about the, the pilot metaphor, and I was, you were called me virtuous, and I'm like, I was going to say I could be the gunner. <laughs> so I'll just... Oh, frame. man. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, depending on what airplane we're on, uh, those 105 millimeter shells are pretty heavy and uh, might irritate you a little bit. A lot of big concussion there, but all the same, I'll take you as my gunner. Uh, and someone right here who's a high-powered rifle in the community, you know what I'm talking about because this man, when this woman starts speaking, uh, she could speak to anybody. You could put Kelly in front of like dudes at CERN and she would be like right at home, man. She is just a brilliant speaker. I just, I, I adore you. Thank you so much for on short notice agreeing to come on and guest co host with us. She, the host of the UAB UFO Rabbit Hole podcast, and she's an author. And a, a brilliant person, and I hope uh, at some point we gonna be getting together with this girl again because we saw her in New York. That is Kelly Chase. Hi, friends! Thank you so much for having me. I'm always thrilled to be on with the cabbies, so this is gonna be fun. I can't wait. And we're talking about Thank my favorite so- tonight, so yes, you know oh, I'm gonna man, be here. I know. Um, okay, so our guest here is uh, uh, a, a woman whom I heard. Uh, obviously Nathan got me into this community, uh, last year and it just, you know, changed my world. All of a sudden there's this, uh, you know, I'm starting to get into, not that I didn't ever not believe in the, in the existence of Bigfoot, but, uh, just starting to listen to all the content creators and find out who the players are and understand who Albert Osman is. And, and, uh, uh, obviously the four horsemen whom we we've, just lost another one in uh, in Peter Byrne. Uh, and then hearing this woman on podcasts, along with her co-conspirator, a woman named Ronnie Powell, 
Um, it really was just uh, the fact that I was on the phone with her a couple of weeks ago talking. I'm like, wait a minute. That she's talking to me, this meathead. <laughs> I mean, you got to be kidding. So uh, she is a, a researcher that is very, very bold and brave and has been out in some very lonely parts uh, of the American forests trying to investigate and to understand the creature. We know uh, as Bigfoot or Sasquatch, Matt Pruitt, please don't beat me up for saying Bigfoot. I still want you to take me out in the woods in North Georgia. Uh, it's a party, people. Put those together for the legendary Sabina. Sabina Irwin, the artist. Oh, thanks, guys. That was awesome. Yes. How are you, Sabina? I'm really, really good, and I'm very happy to be here uh, to meet all of y'all and and uh, your cabbies. It's awesome. Thank you for you're inviting like, me. You're such a bright like you remind me of like yoga teachers that I know, you know, because I'm a yogi <laughs> myself, and like I'm like you totally have that vibe, and that has got to be so unusual in the Bigfoot community. Do you find yourself that? Uh, I mean, Ronnie, you know, obviously it was like your home girl from from a mm -hmm. sister, other mister, right? But do, yeah, do you find that you feel, not that you would feel out of place, but a little bit unique amongst uh, the individuals whom you'd be out researching with? Um, not so much the people that I research with, just the people in on the planet in general. Really? <laughs> oh, okay. A little. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so you find yourself to be unique amongst the entire population of, of the world, not necessarily just Bigfoot researchers. No, I, I generally feel at home with researchers because researchers generally have kind of an open, like an open mind and uh, they're willing to look at things and question things and, and, you know, they don't know everything. In fact, I think the more you do this kind of research, the less you feel like, you know, I mean, that's been my experience anyway. And, um, but just in the general population, I don't know if I'm unique so much as I've just always felt kind of out of step. Like the things other people were focusing on um, just didn't make a lot of sense to me. And I, I, you know, I've had experiences with the paranormal since I was little. So um, I think I just kind of had a very different paradigm of what reality was. Um, for sure. Like I just, you know, when stuff is happening around you that you can't explain by the normal, normal means and other people are saying, oh, well, that didn't happen and that's not real and it's nothing to worry about. But, you know, you're like, well, no, they, I experienced something very real and it's very personal. And, you know, so you just, I just found myself that way a lot. And then my father passed away when I was 18. And then that sent me in a whole new spiritual direction you know as well like you know what I mean like I was my first semester in college and most of the girls are basically just worried about what they're going to wear for the weekend and who they're going to party with and uh, for me my whole world was completely upside down and the things that mattered to me uh, before his death um, you know you just realize it was all bs and so I you know you have to kind of do a deep dive and figure out you know you try to figure out the meaning of life and 
<laughs> you know, it just rearranges your whole world when something like that happens. So it just set me on a path. And uh, But I think, you know, I, I get asked that a lot. Like, what's a nice girl like you doing in research? Like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't mean it. No. <laughs> I, that was you know. not my my my. Bigfoot bar girl pickup line. I promise. <laughs> but, you know, I think some what of us are I just know? wired differently. You know, going to the LBL. Is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I think some of us are just wired to uh, to question everything, to seek way beyond the normal answers that people give you about this reality. And uh, I think some of us are just wired differently. I think we're wired for the chase. Like we're wired. I am wired for exploring the unknown. That is just my thing. If I have an opportunity to go research something that is an unknown, that just lights my bells. I could just get real excited about it. I want to pursue This actually answers... This answers a note because I was going to ask you <laughs> what drew you to this. And now it's... I, you know, first of all, I could say that in, in the heads of my other three co-hosts right now is like, oh, she fits in so well here. That's what <laughs> that's what all three of them are thinking. Uh, before I turn it over to the money man, I just want to say hello to our friends in the chat. Um, so, yeah, uh, all things unexplained. That's probably brother Tim. Uh, Scott Gear and my Air Force pair rescue brothers here. Mick is here and tales told in the dock. Hello. How are you? Welcome. Uh, and Steve Wolf. Hey. I oh. All right. <laughs> anyway, and if we use the word chase again tonight, as you did, we have to say no pun intended. Uh, with that, uh, let me turn it over to the capable hands of my brother, Money Nathan. Yeah. So, Sibylla, I think all of us are uh, firmly on the highway of the weird. And uh, we didn't start there necessarily. Right. Uh, at least I, I certainly didn't start there. And uh, you, know, you spoke about this a little bit, but I was wondering, is there a particular experience in your life that you think of as the on-ramp for you to, to the weird, to being open to these different aspects of reality that many people just choose not to think about? Something stand out for you? Um, I think the first experience was in the house that I grew up in. There was... Um... And it made absolutely no sense to me that I would be in my bedroom uh, studying or practicing my guitar or something. And all of a sudden, uh, I felt like if I didn't get out of that room, like right now, uh, that I was going to die, like that I would, I, would, I would be killed. And I would literally just stand up on the bed and leap off as far as I could and run down the hallway, literally like my you know, hair was on fire. And then I would get into the family room where everybody would be watching television or something. And I feel like just a total fool. And I would never tell a soul because I, you know, there's, I didn't see anything and I didn't hear anything. It was literally just a, it was just a feeling, but it was just so real. And then other things also happened in that, in that bedroom. I think there was some kind of portal or something in there. Like I would wake up in the middle of the night with a, uh, literally paralyzed like I absolutely could not move and with this um, like in my peripheral vision it was like I could see these weird looking claw-like hands coming up on both sides of the bed and you, I'm just paralyzed to do anything about it um, and it was much later that I kind of uncovered um, when I saw Whitley Strieber's book of uh, communion in 1986 or 87 that's when 
I mean, I had such a violent physical reaction, like I literally had to find the nearest bathroom and I, you know, rushed in there and I, you know, I threw up until there was nothing left. And I remember just, you know, sitting there with my entire body just shaking all over and knowing that I knew that face, like I knew that face on the cover of that book and and it was a female and uh, that I just, I knew her and she, I mean, I had visions of her putting her hands on my face. Like, and so I, I uh, eventually left the restroom and I went straight home. I was in a mall, you know, I was at a mall, I was shopping at a mall and I, you know, figured at some point I'm going to have to figure out what, what that is. But anyway, just kind of started with the paranormal stuff inside the house and none of my brothers experienced it. It's really funny, but my sister and I, she also had the same experience of, you know, leaving her our bedroom like her life depended on it. But her and I never discussed it until 30 years later. So that's kind of what got me started with the paranormal. That and when I did, I did call a mutual UFO network and I talked to Walt Andrus. He was the head of it at the time. And I, I told him, look, I, I told him about my experience in the mall and that, um, and, and about after that experience, when I would try to uncover the memories, um, I would just get these violent headaches, and the only way to get rid of them was to go to sleep. So um, he said, well, you know, would you consider doing the regressive hypnosis? And I said, yes, I, I would, but I, I want to do it with someone who's not going to lead me because I don't really know what's there. You know? So it took me six months to get up the courage to do that, and, and I did, and that's when I uncovered that. You know, these things have been visiting since I was like standing in a crib. <laughs> and I'm saying this really, I'm telling, I'm telling this for the first time because I, I really, I haven't talked about it, you know, for my family's sake. But my children, they know about it because they had things on their body. Like they had, uh, both my children had uh, puncture marks in the shape of a triangle on their body, two of my children. Mm-hmm. So... It's out there now. <laughs> yeah, no, that's an incredible story. Uh, I've got a load of follow-up questions, but I'm going to pass it to Deb. I know she wants to get in next, so Deb, go ahead. Yeah, I had like an overall question because as a researcher, you know, you're often trying to figure out the answers, and I'm wondering if you've come away with any, including whether or not you feel like these paranormal things are um, positive because it sounds like some of your impressions may not have been positive. I think when I was younger, they weren't so positive. Um, As I got older um, and the same paranormal kind of stuff was happening, I mean, some of it's just terrifying. Like I went to college at Texas A&M and uh, I was woken up in the middle of the night by a voice that, you know, like the breath hit my face, like something was like right in my face. And it said, hey, and it was a male voice. And I opened my eyes. And the shocking thing to me was that there was nobody there. Like it was just a, a voice out of nowhere. So, I mean, so then I got up and turned all the lights off and went around my apartment. And there's nobody there. And like I said, the shock was that there wasn't anybody. So those kind of things happen quite often. Or uh, knocking on my bedroom door, like there's nobody there, but there's three knocks. And Whitley Street talked about that a lot like it's always three or on the roof of my house like three knocks and then when I when I moved to the uh, 
the Crittenden property where the Erickson project was, their paranormal stuff it, at that house was all the time, you know, a lot, well, just a whole lot of stuff moving on its own, voices being heard, footsteps. And so Deb, it was kind of like, okay, so is this Bigfoot related or is this, uh, you know, is that paranormal? It, or, and where do those lines cross? Like I, that, that's what I was constantly asking myself. Okay, are, are these the Sasquatch people? Or, or, you know, so I, and I don't feel like I know. And I also captured some very weird stuff on thermal cameras that don't make any sense. Like they weren't like one. And I almost like thought about sending it to you, but I, I, uh, I didn't know how y'all feel about it, but I have this thermal video that it's, uh, you know, th the, the thermal camera was set so that anything with heat would be white. And this, there are these things running through the frame that look like hellhounds um, jumping like, I don't know, 40, 50 yards at a time that jump through the frame. And then there's this huge, massive black humanoid giant thing that stands up like behind the berm. And it's black, so, so there is no heat signature whatsoever. And what is that? Like, what is that? <laughs> this is a great question. And you, you could have sent it to us because basically you've entered into what's more or less like a yoga studio uh, of podcasts. Like it's a safe space. Like you can share yeah. anything here. There's no judgment here. Nobody knows. Nobody professes to know. And we yeah. just want to discuss it with you. And yeah. and it's, it's very, you know, I just want to say as we are going to pass it on to Kelly Chase is I saw uh, when we did get to be in New York with Whitley Strieber. Priscilla mm -hmm. had the very same reaction. Do you remember that, Kelly? Because I think mm -hmm. you held her uh, when she was very emotionally moved by listening to Whitley speak in person. Mm -hmm. And had it had the same effect on you. And I think Nathan Wright experiencers have that, that a different reaction than, than uh, laypersons like us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so. I was sick. Like, And I would love to yeah. meet Whitley Strieber and thank him because his book is really what... Uh, as a child, when I was having these experiences, I, uh, I thought they were dreams. Mm -hmm. And I, and, and Whitley even brought this up in his book, you know, it, I never thought to ask anybody else, uh, do you have like UFO dreams? Like do y'all have, <laughs> do you have, uh, do y'all, do y'all, you know, do y'all have like alien dreams and, you know, but, but the we, thing, but... the thing that was so strange about it is I was, you know, five or six years old and having dreams about being on a, you know, on a gurney kind of stretcher in this roundish room and they were doing things to my, you know, private area. Like why would a five or six year old be having dreams like that? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. So you are, you are not the only one. I can assure you we've had, I don't know how many people yeah. on air and probably Kelly as well on her show has spoken with people, but uh, let me turn it over to her capable hands, please. Miss Kelly. Well, first of all, thank you for being so like open with us and vulnerable. And I know that's not easy stuff to talk about. And I appreciate that you've done that here. Um, it means a lot. I have a question about Sasquatch. I'm, and I know you probably don't have an answer, but I would love to just know what you, what you think, <laughs> which is um, I get really fascinated listening to accounts of, you know, people who've had encounters and so many times 
So often it's hunters who are out in the woods, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, they're very used to seeing, and they're very used to like being close to like witnessing death. And they're used to kind of having these confrontations with animals in the wilderness. But there seems to be something so unique about these encounters where it gets, if it gets to an aggressive point or it gets to a point where they feel threatened or, or, mm-hmm. you know, they end up hurting one of these things that they, it, it often has like an emotional impact for them that goes far beyond what they would experience if they had shot an animal out in the woods. And I, and there seems to be them like kind of grappling with the humanness in a way they're like, it's not a human, but there's something about it that resonates. And I'm, and so I was wondering what you think the Sasquatch's relationship to us might be like, what do you think it is that triggers that response in people? I think it's the fact that so many people see, um, they have seen faces that are so human. I think that's, I mean, it, it's such a, it's such on a, on such a massive body, you know, that it's like 800 to a thousand pounds, but then there's this phase, like I'm working with a witness right now who was up in a tree stand and, you know, he saw this thing at a distance and he, he actually said, Hey, you know, Hey to it. And it turned, you know, it stood up because <laughs> he, he, he was trying to figure out, well, who is that? Is that a guy in a, like a, furry jacket like what the heck you know so he says hey so it stands up and it turns around and it he can tell it's looking for him and so he waves and instead of it turning around and leaving it just made a beeline like right for him and he you know and it happened I think I don't know it was 250 yards away when he waved and he said you know like oh crap you know it's coming this way and he said and the the way it moved was so strange like it was on cross-country skis going through the grass and he said he looked down to check his bolt you know to be sure he actually had a bullet in it if he needed it and he racked it and by the time and that took about four seconds and by the time he looked up this thing was like right below his stand like you know (laughs) just right there looking up at him so uh and he they have a 25 minute standoff uh and he said, and it's just so human. This face is so human. And he literally put his put his rifle up on it, put his scope, was looking right down. I can see the eyelashes, can see every bit of this thing's face. But he he can't pull the trigger. It's too it's too human. So I think that's one of the major. Well, I think it's such an emotional experience. Even if you don't see one that looks human, I think just the fact that, especially for hunters, because. You know, a lot of them have been hunting the same property all their lives or their family property, and they've never seen or heard anything weird. And then all of a sudden, here's this massive, you know, creature. Um, and, you know, the first thing they'll tell you is I didn't have a big enough gun. Like there was, <laughs> there was no way I was going to, you know, I would, it had just pissed it off. So I wasn't going to do that. Um, and so I think a lot of men, especially hunters, they've been carrying a rifle all their life. You know, they're kind of the alpha thing on the planet. And then when they come face to face with this thing, they realize, oh, my God, we're not the alpha thing. If this thing wanted me, it could have had me at any time while I was out here. And that's hard. You know, some of them put their rifle away and they never go back. You know, and, and, and there was a man I, I met in the museum in Georgia. He said he stopped hunting 
for seven years and he never told a single soul what he saw. Mm. And this thing was like, you know, yards and yards away, but he watched, he watched the Sasquatch followed two groups of, you know, two, it was two hunters that were, you know, that, you know how they go in for lunch, you know, they're out there in the morning and then they go in for lunch. And so he watched because there was, it was a beautiful kind of skyline view and he watched these two hunters leave and go to camp. And then there was another group of two hunters and then maybe 80 yards behind them, there's this massive Sasquatch. And so because of the skyline view, he already knew what the size of a human being was. And he says, and this thing was twice the size of these men, just massive and, uh, you know, scared the, you know, what out of him. And he just, he, he didn't even tell anybody, but he completely stopped hunting. He didn't tell his wife. He didn't tell the guys he was hunting with. He just stopped. And he, when he came into the museum, uh, I walked, he told me the story and I walked him over to the map and I said, can you show me like where this happened? And it was in Georgia, Northern Georgia. And he went, I took him to the map and when he looked up, his mouth just fell open and he was in so much shock. He was like, oh my gosh, there's like four or five other sightings in exactly the same place where he had a sighting. And so it's really nice because he got validated. You know, so many of these people don't get validated. And so mm. that was really nice. Yeah. I don't know if I answered your question, Kelly. No, that was wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah, and and oh wait, I think I see. Is that at the bottom of the screen? Is that who I think it is? Is that my man, Mississippi? CJ? No, it's not CJ. <laughs> it's not Smitty either. Tim Mounts of North Carolina, Doctor Tim Mounts. Hey, hey, uh, thank you so much. Oh, no need well, for the applause. Well, these are surprise guest co-hosts. So I'm gonna have to hold my question a little bit longer. Um, Mick wants to throw a couple things out there real quick, but just in the chat before we get Dr. Tim in there. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Tim, for coming on. Um, so uh, Mick is basically saying, you know, imagine the reality. And Mick, he watches our show. It's in the middle of the night in England, and he, the spirits are constantly coming in. They're so comfortable with this guy. Uh, one fuggy comes and speaks with them, and apparently there's other. He said there's four or five in the room. So, uh, yeah, you know, and there's other people who feel like, uh, you do, uh, also, uh, you know what he's saying here, four past humans and one something else. I don't want to know what the something else is, Mick <laughs> and Scott Gearin. Um, basically he, he wanted to share with you about the hat man. I don't know if you read that earlier. Scott's our friend, uh, the hat man dream when I was six, never knew hat man was a thing until a few years ago. I've heard other people talk about that. Very mm -hmm. scary. It was just a nightmare from childhood. So you are in good company, my dear. Oh, thank <laughs> so. you. I feel very comfortable. Thank you. Um, but let me get uh, North Carolina's own. This is the host of, um, uh, remind me of the name of your show because I'm brain flatulating right now. All Things um, Unexplained. Yeah, All Things Unexplained with uh, CJ and Smitty. So uh, without further ado, Dr. Tim. Hey, thanks. Thanks so much for having me on tonight. I really appreciate the invitation. And boy, we've been real busy. We've been so busy. And Sibylla, it's so nice to meet you. I'm a big thanks. fan. I love oh, the exhibition Bigfoot Museum. I've been there. It's incredible. It's such a beautiful era, area. Yeah, um, I'm also such a big fan of Kelly Chase and the UFO oh, Rabbit Hole <laughs> podcast. I don't know if you know this, Kelly, but we... At, call, at All Things Unexplained, we have some major synchronicity with you that I discovered from your chapter in Ryan Sprague's book. Oh, my Stories. gosh. We should talk about it sometime. That's awesome. 
I mean, really major synchronicity. It's like kind of freaky, but I just have to say real quick, DJ. So I've got several new Bigfoot books out right now. One is the world's first ever, if you don't mind me saying this, Bigfoot Pickleball book. That's right. If you didn't know you needed Bigfoot and Pickleball in your life, that there it is, is it on the cover. This is the world's first Bigfoot children's pickleball book. I love it so much. Thank you. That's a yowie there. So this this is kind of for the kids and grandkids. Along those same lines, Bigfoot Halloween party is out just in time for Halloween again for the kids and grandkids. Also brand new from All Things Unexplained Publishing. This is essays on Eastern and Western philosophies and religion. This is not by me or Smitty or CJ. This is by a dear friend of ours named Dr. Aaron Chatterjee, who um, is a very well-respected figure in Eastern and Western philosophies and religion. We just got through shooting a uh, moonshine commercial for shout-out to Smoky Mountain Squat Shine. I'm I'm sitting on it. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, Bigfoot's everywhere, y'all. And um, a swig right now if you want to true mississippian there you go <laughs> and, and because mike, really, you know sibilla was talking about mike bluler he's the guy who had that that standoff with the bigfoot he's a mississippian so oh heck but, yeah i i know yes. that guy i think and uh cj and i are going to be on the fox 8 morning show halloween morning doing a special halloween segment that's out of greensboro high point winston-salem oh area yeah, that we're pretty excited about it, and we have no idea what we're going to do or say it. And we so that ought to be real interesting. And this Wednesday, we're super stoked. We have a top secret author that we're talking to. We literally cannot reveal who they are, but they're big, really big. And then physically, yes, no, 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 but like sales, followers, over a million followers on Twitter. I'll just say that. Um, and think. Think bloody victims. Uh, and Wednesday night, we'll be talking to Matt Pruitt. Nice. All things I-, I love it, my man, Matt Pruitt. I'm still I just got to- some, I just got my little niece some new Sasquatch children's books on Amazon. Yes, here. thank you. And you can also go to BigfootUFO.com and find those real easy too, but they're, they're all available on Amazon. Thank you, Kelly. I appreciate oh, that. Oh, thank you. This is great. Yep, he is a child. He has written Bigfoot children's books. Tim has. I love um, so it. Get to your question now, Mounts. Let's go. <laughs> oh yeah. So Sabilla, I, I was wondering, and I've heard a lot. I was hearing a lot of talk on this today on the way home there. And UFOs and aliens have been really in the news lately. Obviously, mm-hmm. especially since around 2017. Do you think there's some sort of connection uh, on any level between? ufology and the the ufo phenomenon and bigfoot or sasquatch i do Uh, i I can't tell you what it is but i do think it's all connected yeah uh that and orbs like orbs also seem to be connected with sasquatch activity oh yeah and if i can follow up on that i've also i got involved in a conversation today about ufology and religion and somebody wondered you know if if disclosure happened tomorrow and they said hey you're gonna do this x religion would you know what how would people react and i thought well you know religion's been around a long time and if you're if you're christians Mm -hmm. you you've kind of and that's my frame of reference you've kind of 
uh, have been following along what aliens have told us for the last, you know, 2000 years. You just didn't necessarily realize it. Do you see any connection between <laughs> do you see any connection between Sasquatch, Bigfoot phenomenon and religious or spiritual overtones? Uh, definitely spiritual overtones. I, I mean, I think these beings are ancient. I don't think they're, you know, there's there's so many different threads of thought about the origins of Sasquatch and who and what they are. And I'm constantly asking the witnesses that I work with, especially the ones who've really gotten an up, up close and personal look at these things. Uh, like, what do you think they are? And uh, it's kind of amazing to me, the number of them that will say, I think they're, that they have the capacity to be in this dimension. I also feel like they are multidimensional, just as I believe we are multidimensional, maybe. Most of us are just not aware of whenever we are in the other dimensions so much. But um, I think they're well, ancient. I think they were here like way before. Actually, you know, and I've said this the whole time, they make more sense to me about being on this planet, you know, than we do. Like we don't make any sense. We can't survive on our own. We can't survive under, I mean, look at what we need to survive here. Look at what they need they're perfectly suited for a life on this planet. You know, wait, where did we come from? <laughs> so true. I don't, yeah. Yeah. Well, we were a lot like them at one point, but we just, I guess this is what, you know, we call evolved is, you know, where we need a lot more comfort in order to, in order to sur survive. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious about this experience. They did, did this, uh, property that you that gentleman bought and then allowed you to research there for five years was that the most prolific or most uh, moving experiences that you had researching Bigfoot or were those experiences had when you were out in the woods researching um boy that's a really good question and it's difficult to answer because I've had some really um, amazing experiences on expeditions, you know, with infrasound and with just weird, you know, one of those crazy coincidences, you know, I don't believe in coincidences, but um, on, on the property and, and the person who bought the property was like, we were all a big team and I just happened to be the person who got to live there. Um, and they, they, you know, everybody's still doing research. Um, there were things that happened on the property that gave you the sense that they were in your head and they knew way before you did sometimes what you were going to do, like what you were going to put out, when you were going to put it out. And I mean, like in terms of equipment, um, they didn't seem to mind me, you know, putting out audio recorders. That didn't bother me. I mean, that didn't bother them at all. Um, the thermal camera, we put up a, a thermal camera probably within two months after I got there and they did not like that at all. They knocked it down and the, and it was incredible because it was so well hidden. I'm like, Oh my goodness. It was behind, you know, a black curtain and it was stuffed inside an ice chest, you know, so there would be no heat signature. 
and just the lens was showing, you know, like a, the lens was cut and then there was a curtain over that. I mean, it, the way we hit it, it was incredible. There's no way, there's no way a human being could have busted that camera. There's no way. And, you know, with it, within a week of it being up, it was literally knocked down to the floor. <laughs> so they didn't like it. So uh, I kept recording for a while and I would see strange, I don't know if you guys have ever seen these kind of anomalies on, this was a, this was a thermal camera that was running from, you know, dark till the sun came up. And there were times when I would be reviewing that footage and there was this massive oak tree down there at, at the berm. And the berm uh, is where the prior owner had been feeding them. Like she would walk out onto this berm. It was a little pond and she would walk out on that berm and she would feed them. So the thermal camera was set to look just right down there where that, that feeding station was. I would be watching that video and sometimes the whole area would just blow up like at 2.30 in the morning. It would just light up like someone was shining a spotlight on it. And I, I would, you know, I'd show my fellow researchers, what, what in the world is causing this tree to just be illuminated like that with heat? Like all this sudden there would just be like the whole area had a huge spotlight on it. And, you know, I, I didn't know what to happen. You know, it didn't happen all the time, but it happened often enough. And also caught some disc-like thing <laughs> bouncing through the frame. I, there are just so many anomalies. Um, so the most moving, I think, maybe might have been like finding the footprint in the house. That was pretty moving. <laughs> did you say footprint? I, I, I might. I probably misheard you. Wait a minute. Did you yeah, say footprint, footprint inside the house? It was. Yes, it was a footprint um, on like a carpet, like uh, I, there was a, this was an old house and they had added on a bathroom and another bedroom and a wash area, you know, like a washer dryer. And there was about a, a step up that was maybe half inch and everybody was catching their, their toe on it. So I went to, you know, Walmart and I got one of those little carpet remnants and I put it over there so that nobody would kill themselves <laughs> or break their toe. And so one morning, uh, and my son happened to be living with me at the time. He had a, like a bad breakup with his girlfriend and he was living in Colorado. And I said, hey, why don't you just you know, come hang out with me for a while till you kind of get you know, together. So he was living with me and uh, they really seemed to be very interested in him. Like his windows were getting tapped on in the middle of the night and all sorts of interesting stuff. Well, uh, and there had been a lot of paranormal stuff in that house. So one morning I was making coffee and I happened to look down and there was a footprint impression on that carpet. And that wasn't going the direction of travel either. It was the opposite direction of travel. And it was like something, you know, if you take your feet and you kind of squash it and move it in the carpet till you leave a really good impression with that and the toes and everything, that's what it was. And it was, uh, and so I left it alone. I photographed it and I, I think I recorded it. Then when my son, when I heard my son stirring and I kind of just went and stood there and waited for him to, and I, and I said, Nathan, just uh, look down. <laughs> he looked down and his eyes got big as saucers and he got really upset. I didn't expect his reaction. Uh, he got really, really upset. 
he's like, now he's just like kind of yelled at me. Now they're in the house, you know, because because they're nothing sacred. (laughs) This goes to prove some of the negative things people say about Bigfoot, because you would have thought he would have taken the vacuum like any, you know, person like just vacuum that the footprint away as they leave the house. Like, and I, I think that does feed into some of the negative stereotypes, right? Money, Nathan. I mean, you know, when I'm in the forest, I try to leave no trace. When they're in the house, they should follow the same exactly kind of guideline. Yeah, well, it was just... really pretty amazing. And he was one of those people who, when he got there, he was kind of sitting on the fence, you know, about whether these things were real or not. I mean, he supported, you know, supported me doing research and everything, but he was really kind of on the fence until one evening when we, um, we kind of created a little base camp between the house and the berm maybe a hundred feet from the house. Uh, there was a stand of trees and he set up his hammock and I set up my little two person tent and we were going to stay the night. We made a, like a Dakota pit fire. Um, and we cooked some hot dogs and hamburgers and we were just sitting down there and I had my recorder, uh, running at the berm and we put food down there. And of course we were hoping that this, the smells, all the great smells in the air would, you know, there's something up and we were sitting there, we'd already eaten. And uh, we heard a really loud, uh, some loud brush pop down at the berm. And I just kind of softly said to him, did you hear that? And he was like, yeah. And then nothing happened for about 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden, uh, Nathan broke a stick. It was maybe, you know, an inch in diameter. Like he broke it, a real dry stick to put it in the fire. And it was really loud. Like it was sounded kind of like a 22 going on. It was pretty loud. And um, to our to our right, something busted and it ran towards my neighbor's dog pens. And my first thought was that the, her dogs were being killed because these dogs were screaming like they were, you know, when a dog is, is either being hurt or they're terrified, that's what her, her dogs were screaming. I thought, oh my God, something's attacking her dogs because there was this loud thump, thump, thump. And then, you know, the dogs were screaming and then it ran down to my neighbor's, the end of my neighbor's property. And Nathan went to, Nathan went to cussing. Like, uh, I have it all recorded. <laughs> he said the F word like maybe 23 times in about 60 <laughs> seconds because scared the heck out of him. Because I mean, not only the, like you could feel the vibration through your boots of this thing running away from us. It was massive. It was like an elephant tore through the, you know, through the weeds and the brush. And uh, and then the other thing that he was so freaked out about is that there was all sorts of, this was in the fall. So there was leaves, there was, you know, dry leaf litter over everything. There's no way, like literally, and that's what he kept saying. There's no way something got that close to us. There's no way, there's no way. And he just could not, he couldn't wrap his mind around the fact that something that weighed that much could get within probably 15 yards of where we were sitting. And it was quiet. I mean, it wasn't a windy night or anything. And it freaked him out, like really, really bad. And then um, we were standing there and he was still cussing. And then I said, shh, because I heard something. And we heard this, the strangest, one of the strangest sounds I've ever, I think, heard a Bigfoot make. It was, it was, uh, I think it was popping its teeth. I don't know if you've ever heard Hmm. like something really really big jaws like that popping it was like slamming its teeth together it was one of the creepiest things i've ever heard and and it was creepy to him too and he's like i'm done because i love you mom 
and you can stay down there. If you want. <laughs> I'm out of here. And he turned around. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to stay down here, Bump. So if you didn't know, but I think we kind of pissed it off. I think, I don't know. I don't really know what it was going to do. And I don't think it was going to hurt us. I think maybe it was kind of doing a counting coup thing, like just to see how close it could get to us. I don't know. But he became a believer that night. You know, he didn't even have to see it. You know, he, he, he we talked about it, you know, for hours after. And he says, Mom, what else, you know, in, in the northern Kentucky could weigh that much? And I said, you know, sweetheart, I don't know. There's nothing else. And he became a believer that night. So those are, that, those are very emotional things, you know, to me. Just being at that mm. house. Yeah. Wow. Money, Nathan. Yeah, I mean... Uh, the you talk about emotion and I, I wondered if you could because I, I want to show the audience who's watching one of your sketches and I'd like you to tell us a little bit about it, about the story behind it. But before we do that, what's it like for you to uh, kind of bring to life this experience that someone had, uh, you know, after the fact? And how does that how do, in observing that person as they see what you've created, what, what's their reaction to sort of seeing it again? In, in, in the medium that, that, that you work in. What's that been like for you? It, it's, it's very emotional. Um, I've had witnesses like drop the phone and throw up, you know, have to run to the bathroom mm. and throw up. And uh, just recently working with a dog and when I sent him, you know, via text, one of the sketches we're working on, he dropped his coffee cup. Um, so it's extremely emotional. Um, you know, when you're, when you're working with a witness and, um, you know, the part of the process is I, I ask them to tell me like the, what happened. And then I ask them also about the aftermath, like, because for so many of these people that it's like, like one witness said to me, it, it literally ripped the fabric of his reality. Like, you know, some of them, they, they, they'll never be the same and the planet will never be the same and the woods will never be the same and just fishing will never be the same or hunting will never be the same. They'll always be looking over their shoulder and they can't relax like they like, did before. Um, and there are times when I've been working with the witness and like the, you know, I, I, I work on something and I get it to a point and then I send it to them and I ask them, you know, how is this looking and what changes do I need to make? And then they tell me and then I start putting those changes in. And there's a lot of time when it's all kind of like a Polaroid, you know, developing right in front of you. There have been some times where, I mean, I'm looking at a face and it's, oof, you know, like I have a hard time sleeping after that, you know, um, because some of these things, especially like the dogman witnesses, oh my gosh, you know, that's, that's not supposed to exist. And so many of them, it, it seemed very clear to the witness that if this thing could have gotten to them, um, they, it would have killed them, you know, and eaten them. Uh, how in the world do you deal with something? You know, how in the world do you deal with something like that? Anyway, so it's very emotional. And I, I, I fall in love with each and every one of these people, like, because they're so vulnerable and there's, it's, it's so intimate what they share and they're sharing their feelings with me. And uh, like literally there's just this strong, strong bond formed with so many of them. And we always, and we, we stay in touch and, um, and I love these people. 
and the courage that it takes to recreate, you know, what they've seen. I just, I love these people. I think they're so brave. And, you know, they all, one of the reasons they want to do this is because they want other people to see what they saw. They want other people to, they want to maybe spare other people from having the same experience they have. You know, don't go out into the woods looking for these things um, because, it, you know, you may, you may get your wish <laughs> and it's not always good. So a lot of them feel a huge responsibility to warn people. Right. I wonder if Nathan, you can, I, I just want to say real quick before we show the sketches, like sure. every, uh, uh, my, you know, I had a really cool mom and I'm too old to be Sibylla's kid, uh, like your son Nathan is, but man, you must be the coolest mom. <laughs> so, <laughs> like I said, oh, you're too you young to be my that. mom, but man, I would just love to have you as my mom. You're so cool. So, <laughs> yeah, no, incredible stuff. All right. So right. I wanted uh, beautiful spirit. I want to show this particular sketch and I wonder if you could tell us the story behind it. So um, and I like wow. this one because it, the face is so human when you hear about this very often. But mm -hmm. um, what's, what's the story behind this particular sketch? Uh, she was a young girl. I she was maybe sixteen, and she was to a party with friends, and they were on a real windy road in uh, southern southern to mid California, and uh, this thing came down. They all saw it. Like it came down off this, this rise. The, call it a mountain they came they see they saw it and it was making this huge strides and it literally ended up uh right in front of their vehicle the vehicle they couldn't see like below its thighs at the knees that's how close and this thing uh i did like the uh this very passive she says she said from the get-go she told me this thing looked 100 percent of american but just massive you know, in color, covered in hair. And it just did not like the fact that we saw it. Like it, it kind of scowled at them. I think that's one of the next pictures is it scowled at them because it was seen. But yeah, see, it was <laughs> the scowl face. Like, Sibylla, should, should I be upset that this Bigfoot is better looking than me? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I am a little bit offended. I, I, I don't know. Strong jawline there. Yeah. On the panel, but yeah, this, Bigfoot is better you know looking what? than uh, me. And I feel like if we were at a school dance, so anyway, please continue, Nathan. No, go ahead. And I have, worked with, I have worked with witnesses who have seen uh, males and females that they have said to me, you know, this, uh, there was one uh, fisherman in Washington State that was fly fishing and he saw this. He saw this kind of uh, look, look like a, a like a woman and her child coming towards them. And as he got like close, he realized this is not a woman. I mean, she's covered with hair, and so is her baby. But uh, this woman was quite comfortable coming towards him, and he said she was absolutely stunningly beautiful. Like she looked like she was from Africa. Her face, her skin was very dark. He said, but she was absolutely stunningly beautiful. And I've had other people, um, I've seen male Sasquatch that were like uh, Spaniard looking, like uh, 
One man said it looked like a space of you know, the face of a Spaniard. And then many people often talk about just how beautiful, like stunningly beautiful their hair is. Like their hair is just, uh, I mean, for the most part, they look very groomed. They don't look, they're not all, you know, trashy looking. I mean, occasionally someone will see one that has like, uh, you know, mud and leaves and debris. But most people say they're very groomed and really beautiful. Even if they were terrified, they still say that, you know, this a beautiful being, you know, that I saw. Like, it was beautiful. Uh, um, we have a couple. Let me see these comments we've got here. So, Aliza Harley Quinn. Um, so, this is referring to what happened with you and Nathan by the fire. I don't think it meant harm, especially if it was that big. It sounds like it was surprised. I wonder if they use energy portals, hence why it wasn't heard, meaning approaching your your campsite. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's a, you're pretty into, into that, that, that theory. I, I do think there are portals and I think there might be one on the property uh, or very close by. Um, you know, some people have also seen these things. I know it sounds crazy, but some people have also seen them kind of hover like uh, above the ground. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else has reported that to you guys, but I, I think even Ron Moorhead uh, had that in one of this book. Oh, we yeah, had somebody tell of, us about. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean yeah, I mean they seem like uh, they have the ability to glide uh, above the surface. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I, and I have seen. Um, I have seen something when I was uh, solo camping in the national forest, Cherokee National Forest. There was a a bright sunny day. I was sitting outside my camper. I'd been in the national forest for maybe three and a half months. There was a, I was just sitting, sitting in my camp chair, and I don't even know what made me look up, but there was this bright, shimmering, like someone dumped a gallon of gold glitter out of the air, and just, I, it, you know, how, how in the world do you describe that? It wasn't windy, it was literally like someone dumped a gallon of glitter out of the sky, It. I watched it all shimmer you know, I, I watched this like like a curtain of gl- like glitter, and then it was gone. <laughs> is that a portal? I mean, I don't know. I have you know that's the thing about this research is like I I don't have answers. I have experiences, but I don't know. You don't know what to call them. You know, I uh, I found a rock. You know, I went to. I would once a week. I would drive into town. I would leave my camper. I would drive into town. I would go get supplies and water, and because I was totally off grid. And then I would come back. And my camper, of course, would be all locked up. And one time I came back to my camper and I opened the door and I stepped up in my camper and there was a rock, like um, you know, it's about like this size. There's a rock, right, um, right in the middle of the camper. It wasn't there before. And it couldn't come in on my shoe. It was too big. Like, you know, so it's like, you're like, well, thank you. I mean, I used to talk to the woods all the time. So, you know, just thank you for the gift. And uh, and I still have it. <laughs> you know, it's crazy stuff. I, that is, that is one of the coolest stories of, let me get, let me get Debs in here and let's get Kelly and Tim back in here and get some quick hitters. We've got about 15 minutes left. Yeah, I won't go into the background of the theory, but um, some people have speculated that this planet 
is basically um, like a big giant guinea pig, <laughs> like it's a like a zoo. And when I see the pictures that you've drawn, I feel like I'm looking at multiple entities. And so when you describe them, they are very much parallel to NHI entities and the UFO community, including the gliding. So what are your thoughts about that idea that this planet is just a petri dish of experiments? Yeah, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. <laughs> I mean, with all, and it seems like it's more and more, and, and I don't know if this is true, but it seems like more and more either people are feeling more comfortable talking about the entities that they're seeing or, you know, I mean, are, are more entities being seen? Like, you know, is there, you know, some people talk about the thinning of the veils that more, like maybe the dimensions are shifting or we're shifting into, you know, higher dimensions. Well, you know, that there's a lot of talk of that as well. Um, I just kind of feel like these creatures are ancient and some, and most of them have always been here. And I don't know if people have always seen these things and just not been able to speak about them because of all of the, you know, you would be called, I mean, even like think back in, you know, to the 1800s or the 1600s or the 1200s, um, people would, you know, they would turn it into something or turn you into something. Um, so people just didn't speak of those things. I mean, even with my mom, you know, there was things and her mother, I know that they saw, they, they, I think this, my psychic abilities, I think came from my grandmother, but I don't think she could ever discuss them with anyone. Um, and when I would like tell, when I was a child and I could uh, like the phone would ring and I'd tell my mom who it was, you know, she just looked, you know, finally she just had had enough and she said, don't you ever tell me that again and I don't want to hear about it, you know, and so it was not a positive thing for me to have those abilities. So I think, you know, I just don't think people, and it's sad to, to this day that people still can't, so many people don't feel comfortable talking about their experiences. And I think even with a lot of these Sasquatch experiences, that there's aspects to them that some people are having or have had, and they will never know about it because they you know, if it was paranormal, that was not accepted. I mean, even 15 years ago, 20 years ago, um, you know, I, I became a member of the BFRO back in 2008. And there were reports I took that I absolutely believed the witness 100%. But because it had the paranormal events in there, I knew it would they never be published. Mm -hmm. yeah, I knew that. And, you know, the, the those people, they were like, I'm okay with I shared it. And you know, thank you for letting, you know, for listening to me and believing me and giving me a place to share my experiences. I don't care if, if it's ever published. A lot of people feel that way. And then there's a lot of people who didn't also, but um, I, I, you know, I, I've been blessed that people trust me and they can trust me. Um, and I have such empathy for witnesses. And I think, and like I, like I said, I love these people that some of them have shared things with me about what they've experienced that, you know, is so deeply personal and it's way paranormal, you know, along with their Sasquatch sighting while it was happening. Um, and I think that's probably a lot more of that is going on than we'll ever know. Plus, you know, I think only a very small percentage of people even report their sightings. 
of Sasquatch and all these other things. I think it's very small. I think one in you know 80 people report their sighting. I think there's so much going on. No question, because we've heard so many witnesses that say, my father, my uncle, my grandfather, and would never talk about it. So I'm, I can't, there's hundreds, you know, we've probably, between everybody in this panel, we've probably heard a thousand people say that, or pretty close, that have said, or they I, say, I saw first, one. Yeah, or you're the first person I've told, or you're the only the second person yes. I've told in 40 years. Yeah, that's yes. it's so sad. To me, it's just sad. But it's getting better. I mean, you look at forums. This is not the only forum. There's hundreds of now uh, podcasts that are dealing with paranormal, with Bigfoot, with UFOs, and people are talking about it. So we're we're actually improving. I just want to say before we uh, – I'm going to get to – I want to get through the rest of it, and then we're going to get to Mick, what you've got to say. Aliza, Harley Quinn, I have a really good – I have a feeling that you have had a Bigfoot experience yourself, so please – Roger up on that in the chat if you'd like to share that with us. And if you wouldn't, that's cool. But let, let us get to Kelly Chase and then Dr. Tim, and then I'll I'll read what's in the chat. Please, uh, Ms. Chase. Well, first of all, thank you. This has been such a lovely discussion, and I'm I'm so loving hearing your stories. Um, I I've been thinking a lot lately about like location and place as it pertains to phenomena of this kind. I've been working on a series about Skinwalker Ranch. And like the big question for me is like, but it's not just at Skinwalker Ranch, right? That all of these things happen. There are like lots of hot spots and then a million places in between where these things seem to happen. And it's not just Sasquatch sightings, it's UFO sightings, it's orbs, it's, you know, there's, it runs the gamut. There's so many things that happen. And so I, there's a part of me that's like looking for an answer that's like, well, all these things are near cave systems or all of these things have like weird electromagnetic anomalies or, you know, there is some sort of history of the place that ties it together. And none of that seems to quite fit. And I feel like there's something I'm missing. And maybe if I looked at the world, like with a more like indigenous ontology that I might be thinking about it better, but I wonder what your thoughts are as with regard to location and like specific places and these phenomena and what causes certain places to be hotspots. Thinking Kentucky, LBL, um, all, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, I wondered about ley lines. Like if the, if that was potentially, you know, and, and we used to take, you know, our little meters around and see if we could find out, you know, if that was real, I can't help but wonder um, if they don't just follow the people, like if they don't follow, mm -hmm. like, uh, like I moved into a house uh, in Divine, Texas, where the family that lived there, uh, there was only like one incident where they thought something was weird because I asked them in respect after all this stuff started happening. Um, it's not a place that you would ever expect you know, Sasquatch activity to be or UFO activity to be. Like it's not, there's not a major water source. Now there are a lot of cattle and massive amounts of hogs. And so, a, a, you know, good food supply. And there were some mesquite trees and oak trees and things like that. But I started having, after we moved there, just all kinds of Sasquatch activity there. And uh, gosh, one time I had the strangest experience with an orb um, and I'll tell it real quickly. Um, I was by myself in the house. We had two dogs 
and they were out kind of running around and it was probably 8 30 9 o'clock at night and uh, we were lived on seven acres and the dogs started barking like strange like you know you know your dogs you know you know they're hungry bark they know they're scared bark you know every, you know you just get to know them their, their voices well suddenly the dogs were doing the strangest bark i'd ever heard so I walked to the front door and I flipped on the light and I stepped out on the doorstep, you know, on the mat. And I looked out and the, the light shined right out to where the dogs were. And there was just a little, like a little kind of wooden fence out there. And the, the dogs were right there at the edge of it, just raising hell. And the, my biggest dog, Gus, he turned and looked at me and he ran towards me. He turned around and he sat right on my feet. This dog had never done anything like that. Uh, the entire time that I had been there or knew it. And I'm like, okay, it's really clear you don't want me to go out there. And so I looked at where he was looking and all of a sudden there was this little, it was like a bluish white light. And it, my first thought was who is in the backyard, you know, with a cell phone because it was bright, bright, like a, you know, like when you turn on your flashlight, it was that kind of bright. And I mean, it kind of illuminated in front of it. And then I was like, holy crap, you know, there's somebody and, and we live close enough to, you know, the border, like only 120 miles away. And so I thought, oh, you know, this might not be a really good situation. Um, but this light, I noticed then all of a sudden this light was doing this lilting thing, like from moving from right to left. And there was nothing behind it. It was just this light, just lilting. And I thought, oh, this looks just like Tinkerbell. And, you know, I'm standing there going you know, your mind's trying to figure out, okay, while you're watching this thing, what what's going on? Of course, you're watching your dog, so you know that they're also seeing what you're seeing. And so I watched this light just move like Tinkerbell, just lilt like back and forth, and then it just disappeared, just blinked out. And I'm standing there still trying to figure out, what in the hell did I just see? And then the next thing I know, and this happened within like three seconds, that light covered like the entire, you know, from that point, it was like five acres covered all the way down into there was a gate down there at the bottom of the property. And so it blinked out. And then two or three seconds later, it was at the that corner of the property. And I'm like, oh, holy cow, how could that be? And I watched it do the same thing, just lilt, you know, into the left. And then it blinked out. And then two seconds later, it was at the other end, like of the property. What in the heck? I mean, it's just so... So cool. So is that, was that Sasquatch? I don't know, but just such crazy things. So I kind of, to answer your question, I do think they sometimes follow, like, is it, is it your energy? Is it my energy? Did I, I also kind of wonder if I didn't have, you know, before, sometimes I think before you come into this life, you have these contracts of what you're going to do when you get here. And I think part of my Part of some agreement I made was to be a part of this somehow or to help witnesses speak their truth, uh, be a soft place for people to land and uh, create a catalog of what people are seeing. Uh, and, you know, just so everybody knows, I don't, when I'm working with the witness, it is not my imagination that we're using. Like it is completely witness driven. So when you see a witness sketch, it's not my idea of what they saw. It is 100%. I mean, I don't quit until the witness tells me this is exactly you know, what I saw. I won't quit. And I don't care if it takes me months 
I don't care how many iterations. I want people, I want that person to genuinely say, that's exactly what I saw. And I don't stop until that happens. And so I want, I want to create this catalog of beings that people are seeing, you know, for the witness and then, you know, for the rest of us who haven't seen these things. So I think I just, maybe, maybe because I have that, it, you know, maybe because I chose to do this in my, with my soul and to be here, maybe they kind of follow me. I don't know. I, I do think they follow certain people. I think they can kind of show up anywhere where you are and where, I mean, maybe some people are just supposed to have these experiences. <laughs> Whether they, yeah. they made that contract or not, I don't know. Yeah. It seems like no, you're calling you. all beings. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, By the way, I'm wearing this Western shirt with these pearl buttons for you, Sibylla, because you're a Texan. Aww. So I just want Thank to know so what, that, what this is all about tonight. Uh, <laughs> anyway, all right, let's get Dr. Tim in there for his last question. Thank you, Sibylla. It's been such a pleasure to get to meet you. I'm so honored. Thank you, DJ, and everybody for having me on tonight and giving me the opportunity to meet you. It's been amazing. I'm a big fan of yours. And I was reading your blog, so I know that you are interested in traveling the country and documenting these incidences. And I just want to extend on what you were just talking about. Do you have any interest, or have you already done any other cryptids? Do you have any interest in traveling to other cryptid hotspots like Loch Ness or the Mothman area, for example, or even, and I just think this would be a natural fit, maybe even joining MUFON as a field investigator and doing sketches for MUFON? Mm -hmm. I, I would absolutely be 100% interested in traveling to places. Uh, right now, I'm uh, I'm in Texas with my mom. She's 93. She just had her 93rd birthday on Monday. And so I'm kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I came back for a visit like four years ago. I was living in Georgia and in the National Forest. And of course, my family hated that because I was very isolated. <laughs> you know, I had like a satellite, you know, beacon in case I got in trouble. But uh I came here, you know, for a visit, and then I just, you know, I just saw that she, it was time for her to have a companion, you know, that she has, she, she has done so much for me and my children and always been there for us, and I just felt like it's time for me to pay back, you know, um, all that love and all that support that she's done for me for years, so um, right now, I'm not out there, you know, doing the boots on the ground stuff. I am still working with witnesses full time, but I'm, I, you know, I can't do the travel thing that I want to do just yet, but someday I'll be back. I, you know, I have a camper and I would love to just, I, I would love to go into a community like a hotspot, like you said, and I would love to work with, you know, maybe have a little town hall. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing to work with multiple witnesses who maybe have actually seen or, or, or are seeing like the same individuals and work with, I mean, maybe uh, like I ran into this one, there was a habituation in Alabama. And so there was a, a female Sasquatch there. There was a male Sasquatch there. 
there was an elderly Sasquatch there and there were young ones there. Like the mom was seen with two twins. And so I did, I did get to do the female and the male and the old and the elderly female. But uh, I mean, how awesome would it be able to just be able to go to a community and spend like a month there uh, even if someone was having uh, activity on their property and just, you know, boondock there and then work with those witnesses to recreate what they saw. I mean, and then to do like, you know, put this out there in terms of like a vlog or uh, I'm, I have my own YouTube channel now where I'm uh, working with witnesses and they tell, I don't tell their story, they tell their story. And then I'm kind of illustrating their story. And God, I love doing that. I love the whole editing thing. I just, you know, giving people a place where not only they can tell their story, but also they, we can show people what they're, you know, what they're seeing. So, yeah, I'm going to do more and more of that. You know, right now I'm a little, I'm here and that's, you know, I'm committed to being here for her. Well, I tell you what, good luck with that. I think that's really commendable. And I personally would love to be in on a book if you ever came out with one if you got to spend a month in Inverness, Scotland and came back with all these messy yes. I, I, I would be all over that so, and, I would love, and I think you would be amazing not, thank you I, I, and I haven't worked with any uh, any alien witnesses and Kelly and putting it out there for you too that you know if you have witnesses who would like to like me to try to create, you know, what they saw? I absolutely, you know, be able to do that. And and it, uh, I've worked with Dogman witnesses too, and I worked with uh, uh, one of the original Mothman witnesses. Uh, her her and her wow. brother, you know, this thing jumped on the hood. Yeah, jumped on the hood of her of their car. So I worked with her, and it's 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 an awesome sketch. So yes, I'm I'll definitely follow up with you. I have your website, so I'll follow up. Yes, please do. Yeah. yeah. Let's... Nathan might know somebody for you as well that might want to do that, right, Nathan? <laughs> so um, you'll have to check out his other show, Liminal Frames, talking about the nature of reality and these really deeper topics. Nathan and his uh, co host, Exo, Darren, Exo Academian King. Um, and Darren's had some sites. So maybe Darren might be interested to, to speak with you as well because he's had a lot of experiences. So, uh, he's a friend of the show. So yeah, but let, let, you know what, Nathan, we got a new member of cab family here, don't we? Fantastic. Just incredible. <laughs> oh yeah. I'd be happy to be a member of the cab family. Awesome. <laughs> so we got a new member of the family. So let, let's get to what? reading some of this. Uh, Nathan, do you want to let, we'll kind of go down the line. You want to take one? I'll take the next one. Sure. Uh, all right. So from Mick, uh, let's see. So he says, Sorry, can one say there is a relatively speaking intelligence intellect behind displayed by the Bigfoot being? So is there, uh, you know, kind of a yeah, an intelligence absolutely. to the Bigfoot? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yes, Mick, absolutely. I just want to, yeah, when you uh, talk about a, a young boy who said that he was, uh, got got lost and he was kept in, he was kept safe in the woods for two going on three days and then returned to within a hundred yards of where his family lost him. And what the police came out and said was, Oh, a bear took care of him. And we're all going, yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Bear. Yeah. Brown bear, <laughs> black bear took care of him for three days. Right. Um, Elisa Harley Quinn says, uh, the rock was definitely a gift letting you know, they were aware of you and validating theirs, but with mutual respect, it seems. 
Yes. Um, and and they left me other gifts as well. You know, they, they would leave me things um, like when campers and hikers would drop things, they would end up in my uh, campground. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> just be like, hey, yeah. hey, guys, you know, just trudge on through because if you drop something, uh, I'm going to have a new compass <laughs> here tomorrow. Or I, I just want to tell you guys real quick, Kathy Westerman of uh, Bigfoot World in Ocala found, okay, my watch has been in the forest for 11 months since last November. Hmm. She found my Timex GPS watch and sent it back to me last week. Wow. Okay. Yeah, wow. I could not believe that she found it, but she did. And it's, by the way, I charged it and it works. Uh, Nathan. Amazing. Yeah, so this is a, something that you touched on a little bit earlier. So some generations have such a strong fear-based thinking that it's hard to let go of. We all have intuitive abilities and it's so sad that it gets suppressed. So I'd like to get your thoughts on this kind of broadly. because you, you did touch on this kind of aspect a little bit, and that's the time we're living in now seems like people are more open to these concepts and then as they become more open to them we hear more about them and almost as if they're activating within people so what, what what's your thought on that i think that's true uh, i think i think if you focus on being really present and aware like in the moment um and you know that's a that's an incredible skill to be present in your moment and present for people and instead of constantly being um you know depressed or upset angry sad about what's happened in your past um if you can bring full awareness to your present moment and also not be constantly worried about your future moments like i think the more awareness that you can bring and um like I wake up every day before my feet hit the floor and just with gratitude and I go to sleep at night with gratitude and I try to remind myself to always try to be in my heart space, you know, to try to be, you know, when you're constantly trying to be with people in a loving way, you know, everybody's struggling. Everyone has a history. Everyone, everyone has pain. Mm. You know, if you can bring, I mean, even, you know, I, I notice when I go shopping, just walking around the, grocery store with a smile on your face and watching other people light up, you know, just little simple things. And I think those things um, and the awareness of your impact on others, I, I think, I think we're, I think all of us are growing spiritually. I, I do. And I, you know, I, there's, there's so much polarization between people, between, you know, with all the politics and this stuff. Um, I think you have to stay centered I think you have to, you know, you're either you're either walking around in fear-based all the time or you're kind of walking around in love and trust. And so I think a lot more people are kind of coming to love and trust um, and because they really try to stir up the fear-based stuff and I just refuse to buy into it. Mm, so Beautiful. I know. What you've I'm said, <laughs> no, what you've said really resonates with me because I do the exact same thing you do. I will go to the grocery store and I will look for the person that I think people aren't smiling at. And I will, I will make eye contact and smile at that person because there are certain individuals who have a certain physical appearance that don't have any trouble with people smiling at them. In fact, they don't want you to smile at them because people are always doing it. And there are others that be they a minority or, or something else 
uh, someone might not smile at them depending upon where you are. And so I will make it a point to, to acknowledge them and smile at them and they'll smile back. Uh, so I do yeah. the exact same thing you do. Um, awesome. so yeah, I try to, I thought you were going to say you were stocking up on milk sandwiches <laughs> <laughs> just in case and toilet paper. <laughs> um, so we have Mick here in electronics at a phase signal can only be detected. If your detection device is in phase, could they be here always just out of phase? You could say dimensions. This sounds like more of a Nathan question, but yeah, I, I agree with what I, I happen to agree with that. And I think that's a, a pretty well thought out hypothesis, but yeah, please, uh, Sibylla and Nathan, just weigh in on that. Uh, Sibylla, please. No, I totally agree that the, I really do feel like they can phase in and out. I do. I, I've worked with too many people who have seen them literally phase in or out or both. Hmm. You know, perfectly rational people. So I just think there's so much more to this reality than we, you know, than our scientists. You know, I think our science right now is just like kind of in a box. And a lot of this stuff is very real, but it's like outside of that, that science box. Yeah, Nathan, I couldn't, uh, couldn't, couldn't agree more. I mean, the hubris that we have to think that we can explain nature as if nature somehow obeys the rules of human perception. Uh, <laughs> it, it's absolutely bonkers. So I think these are good examples of, of reality reminding us that, that we don't have the, you know, the, the market on, on perceiving. Yeah. So, you know, but aren't we blessed though? I mean, to me, we're so blessed that we, we have found a mystery. You know, we have found, you know, life is just like blah for us. Like, I think we're very blessed that we have mysteries to chase, that we're open-minded and that we, we acknowledge we don't know it all. Maybe we don't know anything. Like I think our entire history has been, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't think it's what it, they say it is. I think there's so Ooh. much. I think there've been, you know, massively advanced civilizations way, way, way before ours. I mean, I think it's all just been obfuscated. Yeah. I'm going to connect with you offline, uh, and everyone on the panel will know about that Lou Elizondo was that on uh, theories of everything uh, Kelly Nathan Debs uh, the humankinds or which one yeah the one where he said basically that that yes. 70 uh, maybe 70,000 years ago our DNA was altered and that it, what if everything that you were told by mm -hmm. your pastor your teacher your blah 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 is not true I'm going to share that with you uh, offline uh, Sibylla and get your take as yeah. Lou Elizondo former director of a tip at the yes. Pentagon Oh, I know who he is. Okay, very similar <laughs> hypothesis. Uh, Nathan, yeah. if you would uh, take this one away, this would be our last one for the night. Sure. So, Eliza, thank you so much for sharing your comments with the show. So she says, I've psychically connected to the Bigfoot Collective. I did it in a class and had no idea we were going to do it. It was so fun. The ones who came forward were so incredibly friendly, kind, earth, and nature-appreciating vibe. I'm in Sacramento, California area, so I described the collective I connected with as super friendly, hippie-like collective. <laughs> awesome, I'd yeah, love to right. hang out with. Yeah, this is my kind of crowd. Uh, I do have a cousin who swears he saw a Sasquatch, too. I'm a psychic, intuitive card reader, so I love learning about it. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Lisa. Yep. Has, Thank you for else... sharing. Yeah, yeah, has anyone yes, else on this panel ever had like them come to you in, in a dream state? 
No. Um, I, I get like her. gnome-like things. No Bigfoot. Yeah. Totally different. Hmm. Yeah. I have not Nathan. per se. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Nathan. No, I have not. No. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Tim. Kelly. Well, I have not per se, but um, I will say one: I was born on Halloween. Two: I have Native American uh, blood in my family, and my mother. You know, she always believed that we inherited um, some sort of um, extra sense, you know, some sort of other touch. And she always had dreams and would tell me about her dreams. And they didn't necessarily involve Sasquatch, Bigfoot, but they involved things that came to be. And Mm -hmm. so I just, and, and I've had that sensation too, that I dreamed something that the next day or the within a week or so it came to be. Now you might call that a self-fulfilling prophecy, sure, but sometimes it's things that came to be that I didn't consciously remember that I dreamed about mm-hmm. them until later. So who knows what other things could be in there. Yeah. I kind of think sometimes we we go on uh, you know into our astral bodies and we go try on different uh, situations to see which one we might want to eventually experience. And some people call that deja vu. Like, and we've all probably had deja vus, you know, where you're like, you're looking at that person and you, you know, what they're saying is exactly what you heard before and you know what's going to happen next. And so, I mean, I kind of think that, that sometimes we do just go experience, decide what we're going to experience. And uh, I mean, I've done astral travel before. So, you know, I know, I am not my body and I know, you know, this consciousness will, you know, continue on, you know, way after this body is done. So, and I mean, I know that for a fact that I traveled to various places because I could bring back information about what was there. Hmm. So, Monroe Institute, I think should be an address that uh, Sibylla <laughs> should visit. What do you think, Nathan? Yeah. Sounds very similar. I would love yeah. to. I would so love to go do their stuff. I just, you know, it's expensive and I've never, you know, I was a single mom for a long time. So uh, maybe in my elder years, when I have more money to go do all that stuff, I would love to take every course they have. You're still young. <laughs> uh, okay, here's what I want to do now. Before we do our our cabbie goodbyes, which is in each individual is going to uh, to bid you farewell. But before we do that, I want to give everybody an opportunity to talk about uh, their website. Really, So I want to begin with Sibylla, and then we'll go Tim Kelly. Uh, and the queen of UAP Med, but uh, Sibylla, please, you go first with uh, telling people where they can find you and your stuff. And we'll put it up on oh, screen. Thank you. Well. Um, they can find me at just uh, SibyllaIrwin.com. Um, and, uh, you know, some people, if, if they want to support like the work I do, because I don't charge witnesses like ever for their sketches. If So if, if people want to support the work that I do, they can, there's a little donation button um, I have a little store, um, and there's also merchandise. Like I make a whole bunch of of handmade merchandise. So if someone wants a a painting with a Sasquatch, or if they want, I also do like the stainless steel cups. So if someone ever wants a stainless steel tumbler that has, you know, any whatever it could be UFO or I, I don't care what the theme is. You tell me what the theme is, and I'll make that cup for you and put whatever you know you want on. It's all customized. Uh, I do little sacks. They're they're like a sock monkey, but it's a Sasquatch. I mean, I'm always, I always just find creative ways to support the work I do. Um, 
And then I have the Sketching Encounters is my YouTube channel. I'm at uh, 954, I think, subscribers. So if everybody would just go hit that <laughs> subscribe button, I really appreciate it. I'm already subscribed, gonna... but yeah. Well, thank you. And there's going to be uh, two, there's two episodes that are going to be coming up that are going to be like really, really cool. I've been working, you know, doing the art for maybe four to six months. So it, it takes a long time, but, and I, my subscribers are so patient. Like I'll get a little message saying, when's the next, like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm working on it. <laughs> Just hold on. <laughs> but anyway, those are the best Love places you. to find me. Awesome. Dr. Tim. Yes, sir. I really appreciate getting to come on tonight. It, it's been terrific. It's been so nice meeting you, Sibylla. I'm Dr. Mounts, along with CJ Derringer and Smitty Neves. I'm one of the hosts of the All Things Unexplained podcast. And a lot easier than that website. If you just go to UFO, Bigfoot UFO, BigfootUFO.com, that's it. You can find all our links, including my latest books and um, our swag, all kinds of stuff, our podcast. And then you can find my personal stuff at squatching.com and you'll find my books there my articles my audio books i even have an award-winning i'm the narrator of an award-winning horror fiction book about genetically modified kudzu that goes on a killer rampage across rural georgia called killer kudzu a lot, a lot of people don't like it but it, it will grow on you just give it some time so uh, that's at squatching.com. <laughs> Please check it out. If you go to bigfootufo.com, you can support the podcast. Um, like somebody said, even disclosure-seeking podcasters have to pay the bills, so we really appreciate anything you can do. Thanks a lot. Tim, you're so lazy. I wish you did more things with your time. It seems like you're kind of lazy. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness, I'm having so much fun. Um, so everyone can find me at uforabbithole.com. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at ufo underscore rabbit underscore hole. Um, I actually have a lot of really cool things coming up that I'll probably be announcing on Twitter first if you're interested. I've got a giant new project business venture that will be launching in the next couple of weeks. A lot um, of really cool things coming will be... Um, publishing its first books. It's not my book. Uh, I'll be publishing Dr. James Madden's book. He's a philosopher from Benedictine University who's written um, a book called Unidentified Flying Hyper Object, um, which I'm very excited to get published. So there's a lot coming up in just the next month. Um, uh, Diana walsh Basalka will be coming back on the program. Uh, Whitley Strieber is going to be coming on the program. So uh, it's a program. I've never called it that before. Um, <laughs> <laughs> feeling very formal this evening um but yeah lots coming up in the next month so stay tuned awesome fabulous awesome debs do you have anything that you want to pump up yeah you can uh find me on calling all beings i'll be oh, in the back possibly as the gunner and um our friend scott Guerin suggested the micro gun so oh, that's about that new weapon system. but but furthermore i just wanted to say thank you so much for coming to speak with us including our guest today i really just want to advocate for anyone who's going to help people have a voice on this topic i feel like stigma has really stunted us in our discovery of the world the universe um our mm -hmm. own history mm -hmm. and i hope that everyone here will continue to do what they're doing so thank you all right. Um, and anyone else that wants to say goodbye to Sevilla, speak now before Money Nathan gets up in there. 
Go ahead, Nathan. Well, I'll go. Sibylla, it's been absolutely fantastic to have you on the show. I think all of us were just nodding constantly with what you were saying. Uh, to me, you probably are the first guest we've had that has been uh, sort of exhibited the greatest intersection of these two different fields of, of the Sasquatch and the UFO phenomena uh, and the paranormal. Thank you, DJ. And um, so it's just really, really fulfilling to hear you speak, and, and we're grateful for your time. And, 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 and Tim and Kelly also just fantastic to have you guys with us. So thanks for joining us. Yes, thank I you. also want to thank, thank uh, Dr. Tim. I'm sorry uh, if you want to say something to money, Nathan, about his beard, glasses, or hair. Please go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's all I'm cool. It's pretty cool. Thanks. All right. Uh, I, I don't know if anybody's hearing this is Radio Clash every time they see Dr. Mounts and his hair, but that's what I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, that song I love from The Clash. Um, thank you, uh, Dr. Tim, for coming in and surprising everybody. Kelly, it's always awesome having you on as a guest, our guest co-host, and I hope that uh, you'll consider doing doing more of it in in the future when we see one. I think that's you know very Kelly centric. We'll make sure to get you in there. Yeah, hit me up. Yes, ma'am. Um, Sibylla, thank you so much. It, it's been an absolute honor for us. Uh, there's just so many things. I mean, we didn't even, you know you out in the woods. You know, people say don't go camping alone and. <laughs> And like, and Sibyl's like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going out in the woods and I'll spend not days there, months <laughs> there, um, alone and no problem. Um, no, no, no partner there. No problem. I got this. Uh, and I think it's just because whatever's there knows that what a, like I said, a wonderful, beautiful spirit you are. And I don't think something was even close to wanting to harm you there, frankly. Um, probably because of of who you are. And I think you probably could have taken that trip just about anywhere in the country and would have had the same result. You would have drove home smiling. Um, so anyway, with that, um, uh, once again, thank you very much. So on behalf of uh, the doctor and Kelly and Sibylla and Debs and Nathan, this is DJ saying peace out, one love. We'll see you down the road, and we're always wondering what's up around the bend. <laughs>